This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. All right, guys, thanks uh, for coming back. The weekly Softy Hawk Blogger podcast is underway. Uh, we're going to take a look at the win over Buffalo on Monday night and look ahead to the game with the Patriots on Sunday in Foxborough. But uh, joining us right now, as he always does every week here on the podcast, is our buddy Brian Nemhauser. How are you, man? Oh, Softy, my favorite part of the week. Yeah, bull crap. Yeah, you know what, then? You you lead a miserable life if this is your <laughs> well, favorite part of the week. I got to okay. tell you, it's been a tough week over here. So, uh, yeah, yeah, this is a highlight. Uh, you talking about what happened Tuesday night? Oh, yeah, we, we probably should avoid it. But, yeah, that, that was that, that was a tough, tough night. Yeah, well, you know what I would say? Uh, just relax, okay? Everything's going to be fine. I know. I promise you. The sun will come up tomorrow. I'm trying to tell my kids and my wife and, and everyone else that. We'll be fine. Well, let's uh, let's forget that nonsense, that mumbo-jumbo for a second, and focus on what happened on Monday night against Buffalo yeah. before we look ahead to the bid, to the game of the Patriots on Sunday. And I guess, uh, where do you want to start? You want to talk about the game Russell Wilson had, a phenomenal first half out of him. Hawks only had the ball for three drives, for God's sakes, in the second half. We can talk about the piss-poor run offense of the Seahawks or the piss-poor third-down defense for the Seahawks. Uh, yet still, here they are at 5-2-1 and one, and sitting right now in the two hole in the NFC playoffs. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, this is the second best record the Seahawks have had at this point in the season since 2012. Wow. Um, so doesn't feel that way. It feels it feels different than that. And, you know, I think we'd be we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the running game since you and I have been banging the drum like, hey, if you want to run the ball, run the ball. And um, <laughs> for whatever reason, this game, uh, when they ran the ball, it looked the worst. I mean, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Like, it looked worse in that game than any point in the year. I, I was quickly to the point where, like, look, you can throw it whenever you want right now. You don't have to run it just to prove something. Like, go ahead and throw. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was, uh, it was ugly. It yeah. was ugly seeing them try yeah. to run that ball. And um, I have to think that, you know, we saw the beginning of the end um, for Christian Michael as the starting tailback. I think we're going to see a change this week. Yeah, we saw that uh, transformation a bit in the fourth quarter of the game with Buffalo. But l- let's just go back to that overall from the run game perspective. Tom Cable said yesterday that they ran the ball 10 times between tailbacks, which is Christian Michael, C.J. Procise. And he says on seven of the 10 run plays, they either A, did not block it right, or B, did not read it right from a tailback's perspective. That's alarming, dude. This is week uh-huh. nine. Okay, the season is halfway over, and you're still not blocking right and not reading things right as a running back. How concerning is that? Yeah, it's it is. It's really concerning, and so you know that spawns all the conversations that you know I started doing research on, and I think you know everyone else has already written about it or talked about it, but. Uh, let's say worst case scenario, they end up remaining the 30th ranked run offense in the NFL. You know, what does that mean for their chances? Uh, you know, there's there's a long list of of Super Bowl teams and Super Bowl yeah. winning teams, that, the Giants, yeah, um, that have been ranked you know 25th or worst in in run offense. It's not historically been a a strong you know correlation with with a Super Bowl champion. So. Uh, it can happen here. You have a great defense and you have a great quarterback and you have, you know, good passing, then you can be just fine. Um, but it's certainly not the way that you'd want to do it. I think if the Seahawks can find, they don't have to be the number one rushing offense in the NFL, but if they can be, you know, a legitimate, you know, balance, some, some balance in there, yeah. 
their chances are going to skyrocket in terms of being able to compete with, with teams like New England. Well, the Giants won the championship, what, six, seven years ago, whatever it was, with the worst rushing offense in football. And to me, it's not necessarily the total yards. It's what you do when you do run the ball. Um, you know, for example, over at Washington, the Huskies don't throw the ball a lot, but they're very efficient when they do it. Uh, the Seahawks aren't even trying to run the ball right now. I mean, hell, 10 carries between two running backs on Sunday or on Monday against Buffalo. Uh, I asked Pete Carroll yesterday if this was now a pass-first football team, and he said it looks like that. And I'm wondering from your perspective, have they made the switch for now from a run-first team to a pass-first team? Well, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's some I mean, the numbers are clear there. Um, I, I would say, I mean, I think it's a little, I, I, I'd come back a little bit from that and that I don't think they've changed as who they are as a team. I think this is who they are right now. And, and so I don't think that the philosophy has changed or that they want to be this way. I just think this is the state of the team. And it reminds me a lot of the 2007 Seahawks where we reached that point where Mike Holmgren said, screw this. We, we can't run the ball. Yep. Uh, we're going to pass the rest of the season. Hasselback had his best year, went to the Pro Bowl, you know, had huge numbers. And he just like, he, he basically adjusted to what he had and he went with it. I think you, for the, I think the most shocking thing was we heard Pete on Monday say, or actually Tuesday, I guess it would have been, um, you know, maybe this won't ever, maybe we won't get the running game going, but we're going to keep trying. Like he never, he never entertains the possibility that something won't improve. Yeah. He acknowledged it. I think that's a pretty big deal and, you know, should temper expectations about how far this is going to go. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned 2007. Uh, they actually had a higher yards per carry average then than they do now. <laughs> and they weren't even trying to run the ball. They were admitting they yeah. were terrible at running the ball and they still were better at running the ball in 2007. So, look, I, I don't know how much better it can get. Obviously, a lot of the hope for a turnaround seems to be on the shoulders of Thomas Rolls. And I, I feel a little queasy about that because I don't know what kind of player we'll see when he comes back from the injury. Um, he's got a track record that's not very long, going back to last year. Uh, I just think there's a better chance than not, I guess, Brian, at this point, that this is going to be an issue for them all season. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I would say that it's going to be on the shoulders of Thomas Rawls. It's going to be on the shoulders of Tom Cable. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that... I am not, you know, oh, I'm not giving up hope that this is going to become a viable part of their team. Um, I, I do believe that that it's something that can come together. I think that the line, the longer that the same five guys can play together in consecutive weeks and and kind of gain some um, cohesion, the better chance they have. So I, I do think it will continue to improve, and um, we'll just have to see. But. Luckily, you know, we really started to see some progress on offense yep. um, in the passing game. I yep. think that's looking great. Um, I think it slowed down in the second half. So, you know, hopefully it wasn't just a first half flash. But, um, yeah, I, I think the team, if you ask me the most concerning thing on the team right now, it's not the run game. The most concerning thing on the team right now to me is the third down defense. Okay, and let's talk about that in a second because I think everything goes back to running the ball. I mean, I get the fact that the defense is not getting off the field and really it's about giving up chunks of yards on first and second and making things manageable for the opponent on third down. The issue for the defense is that I think they have a little bit of not an excuse, but an explanation in that they're playing without three starting players right now. Cam's out. 
Mike Morgan's out, and Michael Bennett's out, okay? The offense, for the most part, has all their weapons. Now, obviously, Russell Wilson's legs have not been there. They look like they may have come back a week ago, but... I don't know, man. You tell me. You run the ball. You keep your defense on the sideline. You get those players back we talked about. I I just have a lot more confidence right now in the defense to find a way to fix third down than I do the offense to fix their run game. I think that's I think that's realistic. I think that's fair. I, I, I it's tough though. I mean, the, the third down plays they were giving up weren't because they had backup players. And when you get third and eleven and Jeremy Lane is is not covering a guy, it's not because there's not players in there. It's because he's not covering a guy. When you've got a third and twenty one and you know Tyrod Taylor is able to complete a pass downfield to you know a player I think Sean Shedd or Sherman was five or six yards away from you know that's not because they have injuries that's because they weren't there to make the play how many tackles did Kelsey McCray miss in that game Monday well he had 13 so he made some but but yeah like it's true I I absolutely 100% agree with you softy that getting back Cam Chancellor is huge huge getting back um, you know, Michael Bennett will be huge, no doubt about it. I don't know that I believe Michael Morgan will make any difference at all, but mm-hmm. but the other two for sure. Um, I, I you know what? Let me let me just interrupt you for a second because you mentioned Morgan there, and I would tend to agree with you because when they go nickel, the guys off the field. I mean, there's been games this year where Mike Morgan's played ten plays, right? But you saw the Seahawks go to a base defense for part of that game on Monday night, and you saw Brock Coyle in the game. Okay. I mean, I love Brock. You love Brock. Great story. But there were times in that game where Brock Coyle looked totally overmatched. He did. And I guess what I would say is I think we didn't get a chance to see Mike Morgan looked as overmatched, but I think we would see not that much better. Mm. I just don't think Mike Morgan is, to use a baseball term, I think he's a replacement level player. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so let's, let's let's keep going though, because I think the Patriots game is something I really want to transition to and talk about. But but yeah, I think I think that you know we're getting Cam back. I think we'll see. I think we'll see an improvement there. I think we're seeing an offense that's starting to feel you know feel confident and, and feel like they can lean on on the the passing game. And, and one thing that was interesting there is. On one hand, it looked like the pass protection was terrible, right? You know, Russell got sacked four times, the most they've been sacked all year. On the other hand, this was the number one ranked pass rush in the NFL, and the Seahawks, you know, gave Russell enough time to make some pretty big plays. Yeah, I think uh, they're a much better passing block, pass blocking team than they are a run blocking team right now. <laughs> I think that's pretty obvious, man, from what we saw in the game on Monday and what we've, we've seen for the first eight games of the year. Obviously, Russell getting healthier, Lockett getting healthier. We saw that Monday is going to be a big, big benefit for this for this offense. But I'm also like you. You said, hey, look, they scored what um, was it? Twenty eight in the first half. Is that right? And then three that's in right. the second half. They had four drives in the second half. One of them was the drive to end the game. So really, they had three drives seven plays 18 punt eight plays 44 field goal seven plays minus seven they had 40 yards of offense in the second half of this game on monday and that to me kind of made me kind of all right let's just before we start proclaiming the offense is back let's see it for a four-quarter game no doubt no doubt and you know this is going to be a huge test going into new england i mean um this is a much more disciplined defense. Um, I think the matchups in this game are fascinating. Um, 
you know, it feels like it was just a little bit ago that they played in the Super Bowl, but I was doing, I'm, I'm writing an article, I'll publish it later today, um, just comparing the lineup changes, it's massive changes over there. Um, you know, Chandler Jones is gone. Silver Saligo was their starting defensive tackle. Vince Wolfork was a starting defensive tackle. You know, Akeem Ayers was there. Jamie Collins yeah. was there. Darrell Revis. Revis. Yeah, Browner. Brandon Browner. Right, right, yeah. You know, it's a huge difference to the defense. And that defense, guess what? It's not playing that well. It's a number two ranked scoring defense in the NFL. But if you look at their rankings, they're not ranked above number 10 in almost any category. They're bottom 20 or below in red zone defense and third down defense. Their pass defense is suspect. Uh, Their run defense is okay. But who cares? Because we're not going to probably run the ball. So... I'm really interested to see this week. You know, the Seahawks are seven and a half point dogs. This is, you know, one of the largest, um, you know, uh, underdog situations they've had uh, since Russell Wilson's been in the league. Every time they've been an underdog by three points or more since 2012, um, they've either covered or won the game. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is going to be an interesting one. Yeah, I think uh, I'm curious to see Cliff Averill against this Patriot offensive line because the last time they saw the Patriots in the fourth quarter, he was on the bench with a concussion, and he was a wrecking crew in that game. And the way Cliff Averill's playing right now, it almost feels like a lot of it has to start with him on that defensive pass rush. You know, uh, look, Frank Clark doing some good things. Jaron Reed. Doing some great things. Yeah. Well, I bet, I, I'm Six just talking about. Six and a half sacks, dude. I mean, that, he's doing great. Com- Compared to Cliff Averill, though, I mean, I'm talking about Cliff Averill being the best thing they've got going on defense right now. And you said Bobby Wagner two weeks ago, but I think the way Averill's playing right now, he's got a chance to set the tone for everybody. Well, let's just agree. It's it's great to have have a debate to be able to have yep. there. I mean, yep. as great as Averill's playing, Wagner had 16 tackles, career high on Tuesday. I mean, these guys are he had he had a sack himself. So you know they're playing great. KJ Wright's playing great, but. I mean, listen to a couple of these other differences. You've got, uh, I mean, Jeremy Lane missed most of that game. Therald Simon, right? He, he played a significant role in that game. You want to know, who, guess who the kick returner and punt returner was in that game for the Seahawks? Uh, let me guess. Uh, it was Doug Baldwin. Good, good guess. It was Brian Walters. Ah, damn it. Compare Brian Walters to Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo Lockett was the third receiver. Right, Tyler Lockett's that guy now. There's there's a lot. Jimmy Graham, the tight, number one tight end was Luke Wilson. Number one tight end now is Jimmy Graham. There's a lot of interesting changes to the Seahawks team that's going to be going in there. Not all of them great. You know, offensive line is probably not as steady as it was then. But um, I'm really I'm not bullish on their chances. But anytime you have the Seahawks going into a game where no one really expects them to win um, against a team that everyone believes is the best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't bet against them, that's for sure. Wow. Well, I tell you what, uh, I don't think it would surprise anybody to see the Seahawks win, at least from our perspective, because they're in every game they play. Uh, in the Carroll era, at least going back to you know 2011, late 2010. But I just wonder this third down defense for the uh, for the Hawks. I mean, they're at 66 percent the last two games, yep. 58 percent the last three. The worst team in the NFL right now is the Browns at 49. Yep. And the Hawks are getting destroyed on third down in the last three games. If yep. that doesn't stop this weekend, they will not win the game. Yeah, that is that is absolutely. Like, I mean, if. You take off any Seahawks, you know, rose-colored glasses, and you just look at this. You'd expect the Patriots to be able to control the ball, 
um, work the ball down the field, get third downs. They're converting, they're converting insane on third downs. They're converting at over 50% on third downs. And since Brady's been back, you know, even third and, you know, eight and longer, they're at like 40% conversion. So, you know, this is the, probably the best third down team in the NFL going against a team struggling to get off the field on third down. And they score touchdowns on like 40% of their possessions since Brady's been back. I mean, Almost every other possession, they're scoring a touchdown. So it's a huge, huge challenge. And you know that they're, they're going to come in ready to play. But I, I can't shake this concept that, like, you know, they, this is our first game without Jamie Collins. You know, Devin McCourty on their team said that was their best defensive player. You know, what's that going to look like? How are they going to defend Jimmy Graham? How are they going to, how are they going to, like, they had trouble defending Doug Baldwin. They had Darrell Rivas playing well. Yeah. You know, how are they going to defend Doug Baldwin? How are they going to defend Tyler Lockett? I, I think, you know, even CJ Proceis is a new wrinkle for them. They don't really know much about him. So I, I'm just, I'm not ready. Like, my first thought when I saw this game and, and where the Seahawks are exiting is, man, that streak of 81 straight games without losing by more than 10 is in serious jeopardy. That was my very first thought. Yeah. The more I look at this, the more I'm like, man, the Seahawks very well could come in here and give the Patriots something to hmm. think about. Well, uh, something to think about in winning the game are two different things. Uh, you're talking about the bottom line is a one-dimensional offense with a defense that can't get off the field on third down, asking them to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Uh, that's the bottom line. So it seems like the spread is probably fair, to be totally honest with you. Um, I just wonder about Kristen Michael. You mentioned that, that we might even see C.J. Procise, I think, maybe even start this game on Sunday. Would that surprise you? No, it wouldn't. And and you're right. I mean, to be as clear as I can, Softy, I'm not expecting the Seahawks to win. I'm just not. But um, I think given the state of the two teams, the, 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 the Patriots are healthy. They're coming off a bye week. They're 7-1. and one. Everything's working for them right now. They're at home. The Seahawks are, you know, none of those things, right? They're coming off a short week. They've got major injuries. They've, you know, haven't been all together. Their offensive line's been a mess. Like, there's a lot of things that haven't been going. And so this is a measuring stick game. And if the Seahawks can go into Foxborough and make this a game all the way through the fourth quarter, you've got to feel really positive as Seahawks fans of how the team could perform when they get on a neutral field, yeah. assuming they get there, um, and have the chance to heal up and improve as a team between now and then. All right, man. Listen, great stuff. And don't forget, if the Seahawks win this game on Sunday night, they will have swept the AFC East. Oh, Miami, like Buffalo, Jets, New England. There you go. How's that sound? I love that. All Let's right, make man. it happen. And I'll, I will be there, so I will be taking all the uh, abuse, uh, my son and I. So. I love it. Take one for the team, pal. All right. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. That's Brian Nemhauser at HawkBlogger on Twitter. Find him on the web at HawkBlogger.com. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And if you didn't, it's free. So shut up. We'll talk next week.